Once a year, the publishers drag in a random artist to draw a meaningless story with no current continuity or long-term impact for our main character. Sprinkle in some random heroes and villains, charge triple, and waste an hour of our life. That's right. It's annual time on Let's Read Spider-Man! Let's Read Spider-Man! Let's Read Spider-Man! 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 Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man! And here is the person I work with almost as much as Spider-Man works with the Human Torch, my friend Eddie. How are you doing today, Eddie? I'm thrilled to be here and always happy to work with you too, James B. I'm always happy to work with you, although I'm less happy when we have to work on annuals because today is annual four. You might recall I don't really like any of the previous annuals, but there is something about today's podcast that will make it better. That's right, James B. Today, we have a guest. Introducing Sarah Pezzel, our special Let's Read Spider-Man guest. We are thrilled to have you join us. How is it going, Sarah? I am so excited to talk about annual number four, and I'm so ready for 41 frantic pages of fabulous far-out thrills. <laughs> All right. Amazing Spider-Man, annual number four, The Web and the Flame. While out swinging around, Spidey comes across a destructive, rampaging torch. The Human Torch is back. Are you happy, James B.? Uh, Eddie, surprisingly, <laughs> I actually am okay seeing the torch. It's been a while, and as you pointed out recently, too many of Spider-Man's friends are really currently very friendly to him, so we need someone less friendly, and who better than the original hothead Johnny Storm? Sarah, how do you feel about the torch being in this annual? I think it's been about, what, 14, 15 times, and, you know, we need to boost those sales. <laughs> Uh, Spider-Man doesn't need the torch anymore, but actually, it's let me good to see let me I let me jump in with a with a question, Sarah. Did you read uh, the Fantastic Four at all? No, I have not. Okay, um, huh? we've discussed that in the beginning. We really felt the Human Torch and the Fantastic Four were the flagship, and probably by now, Spider-Man is the flagship. So I don't think we need really to boost the sales as much. But it's an annual, and those annuals are usually sprinkled with all kinds of random heroes on it. I don't know if you agree with that. Definitely. All right, Eddie. Well, we know how we feel about the torch being back. Why don't you let us know what's going on with the rest of this issue? The old frenemies battle with Spidey getting the best of Torch, but it's broken up by an angry movie director who lectures Spidey for messing up filming of Torch's upcoming feature film. J. Jonah Jameson publishes some great shots of the debacle, and we see a mysterious character get an idea from citizens reading the bugle. J. Jonah Jameson swears on page eight. <laughs> Is this offensive to anyone? Anyone out there? That word doesn't bother me at all, but I know it's the 60s. <laughs> Sarah, do you think this is a swear? Is this bad? Yeah, deeply offended, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it either. It kind of breaks a boundary for me, but I don't know. Can we can we say jackass on the podcast? <laughs> I would have said it well, after the credits because I think that's – I was I didn't think it was ready for our show. Now i got to put some kind of label on our show. Thanks a lot, Eddie. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm going to continue on. Uh, over the radio, Peter hears about a movie opportunity for Spider-Man. He jets off to L.A. in the hopes of bringing Spidey a big payday. Sarah, can you think of any time in the past when Spider-Man was trying to make some money cashing in on his abilities and things didn't quite work out? Yeah, all the way back to his first appearance in Amazing Fantasy 15, going against Crusher Hogan, trying to make some money. <laughs> yes, Crusher Hogan with that great uh, 
purple outfit. I love his purple outfit in that one. <laughs> Do you have any more, Sarah I, or Eddie? Anybody? I got one. Sure. Hasn't Spidey tried to feature in a film before with the Enforcers in the Green Goblin, right? Yeah, some, it was somewhere around issue 11-ish. Yeah. Yes. We actually had that, uh, the movie director was one of our sponsors. Oh, oh. <laughs> how could I forget? James B., do you have any, any time Spidey tried to make somebody? Uh, I thought in issue one when he tries to join the Fantastic Four. That's right. Not, they're a nonprofit group. Don't bother. He's also trying to make some money. This isn't exactly the same, but I believe when he's trying to catch the, I think it's issue 30 or so, he's trying to catch the cat. And do you remember that J. Jonah Jameson's in a panic because he offered a cash reward for the cat's arrest and he was afraid Spider-Man was going to get it? I did forget about that. I forgot the cat stole from J. Jonah Jameson. What a fool! (laughs) And the other one is a little bit of a stretch again, but have you guys remembered the issue, uh, A Guy Named Joe? (laughs) No. Uh, You know what? I I wish I could forget, actually, but yes, kind of. Yeah, issue thirty-eight. There's a like a guy who gets these abilities, and in the end, uh, he ends up getting like a movie deal because he holds Spider-Man to a standstill because he's got these weird abilities, and he gets a movie deal. At the end, there's a whole sequence where Peter Parker is kind of really upset that he's Peter Parker and he wishes he could be someone else. And Eddie and I had a little talk about that, so uh, that was another one. Um, Eddie, why don't you tell us what happens next in this uh, this summary? Do they does Spider-Man make money this time? What happens? Well, you'll find out here. Uh, Once in L.A., we learn Spidey and the Torch will star in a movie together, and they decide to bury the hatchet. Even though the spider sense is twitching during filming, everything is going well until the Torch clumsily attacks Spider-Man, unprovoked, and flies off. Enraged, Spidey swings to the Torch's set trailer and attacks. As the fight continues, we see who's really behind the sinister production, Mysterio and the Wizard. There's, there's a lot of back padding about how well their plan is going between these two guys. And we read a two-page backstory as to how they courted one another. <laughs> James B., did you find the Wizard and Mysterio's negotiation to collaborate odd at all? <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved this two pages of the villains in, a, in a, like a flashback sequence. This was amazing. I, I thought this was... I don't want to spoil the the best part of the issue, but boy, I uh. really, really like this. The only problem I had with it was the reason that Mysterio gets involved. He has an you know an undying hatred of Spider-Man, so he's willing to join <laughs> in just for that reason. That seems a little. Eh. So, Sarah, what do you think? I love how um, they're both trying to fight for like control of the situation, and then just <laughs> randomly they're like, "We're going to share it," and then they're both okay with it. I'm like, uh, I don't know if this is how villains work. <laughs> I, I I agree. I like that opening. It's like they're trying to one up each other. Like, oh yeah, I'm better than you. Well, I'm better than you. <laughs> and then they try to like he, he gets blasted. And he's like, ha ha ha! You can't catch me that easily from the wizard. <laughs> I would like I would describe this as downright flirtatious. Does anyone get that vibe? <laughs> it's funny that you would say you love this sequence, James B. I love it. Knowing that we have a special feature where you talk about the ladies in Peter Parker's life, because I think this is very flirtatious through here. Anyone else? So the feelings between Mysterio <laughs> I mean, and the wizard, they... that's really the, the romance of this issue? I think so. I declare it. It is. Sarah, okay. do you know yes? <laughs> very clearly the romantic part of the issue. But enough about this needless sparring. Let us agree to carry out my plan as equal partners. <laughs> How dreamy. 
<laughs> I know. He's like, I must, I must confess. I must admit. <laughs> it's, it could be like a Victorian novel, quite frankly. So well, I, I enjoyed it greatly, too. I, 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 I need to know what happens next. Is this all going to work out for my, for my new romance friends here? What, what happens, Eddie? <laughs> all Tell right. Me. All right. Things look great for the villains until the wizard carelessly exposes their location to the angsty, embattled superheroes. As reality dawns on the heroes as to who their real enemies are, Mysterio springs a trap, which Spidey must save the torch from. In clever fashion, Mysterio and the wizard retreat to a jungle movie set where they unleash a giant mechanical gorilla. The torch ends up almost being crushed by the robotic beast, but Spidey comes to the rescue again. Upon finding the villain's final hideout, the heroes become entrapped, but combine powers to escape and rather easily capture both the wizard and Mysterio. We end with a capture reward paid out to Spidey. I hope they didn't give him a check. <laughs> why, why not, Eddie? Why don't you hope they give him a check? God, this is this is like why Spider-Man is Spider-Man, because he couldn't cash a check in <laughs> Amazing Fantasy 15. That's right. <laughs> um, speaking of checks... This uh, this podcast is uh, isn't free. We do have a we do have a sponsor to help defray the cost today. You so, ready for the sponsor, Sarah? I'm ready. Oh yeah, Eddie, you you're a good dad. You like to keep your children safe, right? Oh, absolutely. Right. So you lock your house at night. You make sure they wear seat belts. Um, but one thing you're probably not thinking enough about is fire safety. Sure, you might have smoke alarms, whatever they're good for. But Eddie, I think you're missing out on the next big thing. Today's sponsor is asbestos. Now, you saw Spider-Man use asbestos webbing. It was a big asbestos tarp or tent that muffled the torch's flame. Uh, you might have noticed the wizard was wearing an asbestos suit. Why all the asbestos, Eddie? It's because asbestos is an excellent electrical insulator and highly heat resistant. Soon, Eddie, this will be widely used across the world as a building material. Eddie, they, they can have asbestos in walls and popcorn ceilings to protect you, but that's not all. Eddie, they're, they're considering asbestos tablecloths for cookouts to prevent, prevent fire out there. Asbestos sheets for bedding to keep your little ones safe. Pajamas. Eddie, even asbestos COVID masks, okay? So these unlimited uses means this is the next big thing for fire safety. Take that money out of Bitcoin and crypto. Invest in this sponsor, Asbestos, and make lots of money while keeping your kids safe. What do you say, Eddie? Well, I know our next sponsor is going to be in a uh, asbestos lawyer. <laughs> An asbestos mask? You want me to put the asbestos mask on my children, James B? That's if, what the sponsor's saying? It's fireproofing. Sarah, help me out here. They're it's fireproof. <laughs> yeah, fireproof. I mean, you got to protect yourself from the flame on. <laughs> We're just going to start. I feel like this the sponsor you've dug up from like the 1930s or something, James B. <laughs> Eddie, asbestos is still out there. They, I mean, they use it. Uh, yes, the abatement company that removes these <laughs> asbestos. Yeah, no, I exactly. don't think I would. Exactly, it's part of our everyday lives. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, you know what? I'm not going to be tucking my children in with an asbestos blanket. I'm terribly sorry, James B. We may lose this sponsor also. All right, I, I'm going to move on, James B. Sarah, what was the best part of this annual? My favorite part was the way that Spider-Man and Human Torch 
witch slash, you know, the wizard, um, talked to each other throughout the issue, um, just going back and forth with the ridiculous things uh, that they said to each other. You're just reading it and you're like, uh, people say these things? <laughs> Even though they're frenemies, right? Um, so that was my absolute favorite part of the annual. Uh, they're sassy, very sassy to each other. I agree. <laughs> I think the best part would be there's a part where they're really getting the upper hand on the Torch and Spider-Man, similar to the way that Doctor Doom would be getting the upper hand on Spider-Man, a typical issue like trap after trap. And, uh, of course, Spider-Man and the Torch don't realize what's going on. They think that you know they're fighting each other. And then at one point, the uh, the wizard like takes like a shot at them accidentally, or he pushes the button to take like a, a laser blast at them, and immediately they're like, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't be fighting each other. Someone else is behind this." And the Mysterio gets <laughs> all up, uh, like, "You fool! You've ruined everything!" And the wizard's like, "No, don't worry about it. I love I love when the villains turn on each other." And and that's I thought that was my favorite part. Um, Eddie, what do you think? What was your favorite part of this annual? I, I don't have a really specific part. I, both those parts were great. Overall, this annual is so much better than all the annuals we've had in the past, in my opinion. I guess if I could level one complaint, and it's really a small one, I really thought after all these trials that the torch, you know, the human torch and Spidey went through to try to catch Mysterio and the wizard, they caught them so easily. It's not like the wizard and Mysterio haven't gone toe to toe with these guys before. I, I expected kind of an epic battle at the end, but. I'm super pleased overall. So, James B., what did you think about the opening sequence when Spider-Man interrupted the movie? I'm always fooled. Like, I didn't, I, you know, the Human Torch is flying around, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, I was kind of fooled. Except when, after the Human Torch is, you know, destroying his stuff, there's a moment where Spider-Man's about to, like, jump him, and you look, and Spider-Man's, like, right in front of a bunch of cameras, and there's, like, a boom mic and everything. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. If he's about to fight the Torch and this cameraman everywhere... Shouldn't he have seen the cameraman, like, right there? Like, did anybody else notice what I'm talking about? No? It seemed it seemed like it should have been more obvious that a movie was being filmed and that the torch hadn't gone crazy, but... Yeah, I, I, I thought... I liked it except the fact that I think it was like, come on, Spider-Man should have known when he saw the people on the streets filming. Eddie, another thing I wanted to talk about is how much does Spidey, like, outclass the torch in this issue? I think, are we in agreement that, like, Spidey really outclasses the Torch of this issue? Because I feel like he does in a big way. Do you, do you guys agree? I think his asbestos webbing is what does it, definitely. <laughs> Spider-Man saves the Torch in a big way from, like, the first trap that the Wizard and Mysterio have. Like, the Torch is totally helpless. And the only time Spider-Man really needed the Torch was, like, when the rocks were flying around towards the end of this and they had to <laughs> blast a hole in the... The glass torch had to do that. Although the torch was helpful, I think Spider-Man could have done it all this up by himself. I don't even think he needed the torch. I think there's one point in the issue where the torch melts like a lamp post or a streetlight or something like that, and then goes to catch um, Spider-Man who's falling fr with a web of uh, fire because <laughs> that's safe. <laughs> it's I I don't quite understand how that worked, but yes, that's true. That's the one. Although I feel like Spider-Man could have got out of that, really. Like, he didn't need... Isn't there a moment... Isn't there a moment also where the torch has to shoot his asbestos... Uh, Spider-Man shoots asbestos webbing on the torch's legs, and then he sort of gets 
floats along behind the torch. Like the torch flies and he carries him along. Like he, he needs did... the torch to pull him along. Yeah, he did need this. And I, I when I thought about, I mean, if we think that they're based in L.A., there's, I don't think there's as many high rises as in New York where the Spider-Man usually is. So he did need the torch to like get places. But I don't know. He he could take it. He could take a cab. He could he could steal a fighter jet. Here's <laughs> of course a pilot. Pilot can fly it. <laughs> yeah. Don't make your flame too hot. This asbestos webbing costs money. <laughs> yes, because it's expensive. Which is uh, Eddie. <laughs> right there you go. Uh, you know what I'm talking uh, about. <laughs> I'll pass on the asbestos webbing. No, thank you. All right. All right, Eddie. So, um, Sarah, I noticed that. Spider-Man has a bunch of different types of webbing in this annual. Did you notice this? Yeah, and I thought uh, going back on and the issue, I saw that he changed it out to his magnetic webbing towards the end. But I don't know how he keeps track of these different types of webbings that he's used throughout the you know the run on his belt. It's like, does he have them labeled? Are they in specific spots? <laughs> like, what if he accidentally puts in the wrong one? Which sounds like Peter Parker luck to me. Um, I also thought it was interesting how when uh, Spider-Man was trying to escape, there's this little tiny hole that somehow he manages to get not just one web shooter, but both through this hole to deactivate these magnetic fields and therefore free himself. Thought that was very interesting. Not sure how he was able to uh, make that happen. <laughs> James B, there is precedent for this from way back to the Tinkerer, one of your favorite times when Spider-Man escaped. Do you remember this, James B? Uh, oh my God, I saw this, and like this I is broke the out. Second time a, I brought this up uh, I, recently. I I broke out in a sweat. I was like, oh my God, here we go again with the ridiculous ability to shoot webs through like little holes. Not a fan. Not a he fan of those escapes. Metal webbing too he has a remark i agree he has a remarkable amount of webbing on his little belt that can you imagine changing that in the middle of the heat of battle too he's like oh hold on a minute rocks are flying at me but <laughs> well um, i i had some favorite lines in this one i had i had one more thing before the favorite lines you oh do. go ahead i don't know if sarah has anything else you want to throw in here but let me go and then if she wants to add something she can or eddie you can as well we talked about earlier that the human torch is in these issues a lot I thought Spider-Man and the Torch fought a lot less. Now, I know it's kind of ironic because they were literally fighting. <laughs> but I thought they fought a lot less uh, than they normally do. I thought the, they were sort of got, getting along with each other a lot better than they do in other issues. Did anybody else feel that way or know what I'm talking about? Well, they, they had the mutual goal of making the movie. They, you know, they were pretty clear they were going to bury the hatchet for that. True. I, but they shouldn't be fighting ever anyway. And Spider-Man is a jerk to the Human Torch a lot. He's he's yeah. he's mean to him very like he's mean to him all the time. He's he's often the he's often the bad guy in his own comic because of this. And I thought in this issue they didn't have him act like that at all. And there's often misunderstandings between the two of them as well that seem pretty simple to figure out. Like I mean, for example, in this issue, it's like how did you not see Spider-Man that there there was filming going on? Right, right. You're yeah. right, and you're right. There's oftentimes when, even at the end of the issues, you know, they'll say like Johnny Storm's always having to say, "I don't think Spider-Man was really trying to be a bad guy," but everyone else thinks he is, and then he'll be like, "Even the torch doesn't believe me fully." You know, it's always like that. But they were much they better could, in this issue. 
yeah, they never seem to be able to sit down and talk it out. They just want to fight. I don't know. Angsty teenagers. Well, they're not teenagers anymore, right? Um, Angsty. I think they grow really slowly in age here, though, so I'm not really sure. Like, they're, they could be 19 still. Who knows, right? It's possible, I guess. Freshman year in college. Yeah, yeah. take takes a while from the I think he only goes up to about 26 in the books but Sarah you what's the oldest Peter Parker gets in you know 616 not anything like crazy how old's he get They never specifically say the age but you are left to assume it's like uh, mid to late 20s especially when the Parker Industries thing happened Okay yeah I, I know when I did when I read the Living Brain Part 2 in that Web of Spider-Man 30s book um, that was somewhere in the 90s that he said I hadn't been back to school in like six years or something. So I knew that I, they gave me at least a time reference there when he's come back to be a substitute teacher. So I knew mm-hmm. that. Um, Eddie, I'm sorry I interrupted you. You had right. some favorite lines you wanted to talk about. What do you uh, What do you got? Bring it, we have to bring back dated references, favorite lines for this one, James B. There's so many good ones. All right. I love the one. Spider-Man's just swinging through L.A. and there's like they're at a people at a pool and they say, "Look at Spider-Man!" and someone says, "So what else is new?" I mean, this is so much about L.A. Sarah, I think you got one, right, Sarah? Yeah. Um, one of my favorites uh, is from The Torch. Spider-Man, what in the name of a galloping guru do you think you're doing? And of course, there's exclamation points. Um, I did have, a, have another, um, and this is also from the Human Torch, because I love the way they talk to each other so much. Um, you've got about as much chance against my flame as Woody Allen would have against the Hulk. <laughs> oh, I do love it. I do love a good dated reference like Woody Allen. I, I, got, I think I stole the best one, right? I stole this one from you too, Sarah, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> this one is, mm-hmm. you incendiary ignoramus. I'm going to stuff out that finky flame of yours. For keeps. Oh, such a good line. Finky flame. Okay. Sarah, one thing that you've got going that we don't have is you just went to Comic-Con. Um, do you got any Spider-Man stories about Comic-Con that you want to share? Yes. So I'm big into cosplay, and I brought costumes, obviously, with me to go as Spider-Man. Um, I had, throughout the weekend, uh, Ben Riley's Scarlet Spider, uh, Spider-Punk, uh, Mark Bagley's Spider-Man and the Sam Raimi wrestler suit. Um, all choices that I have not worn to con yet, especially since we haven't had like an in-person con in a while. Sure. One of my favorite parts was seeing all the different Spider-Men and actually there was a meetup at a certain time where all the different spider people and villains, um, I can send you guys the picture if you're interested, but it's all of us. It's got to be like a hundred or so people all dressed in Spider-Man villains and different uh, (laughs) versions of Spider-Man, and we're all just doing stupid poses. Um, Another thing in Comic-Con that was awesome is my mission. So I collect, right, the comics. And my mission was to get Amazing Spider-Man 100. Like, I was not leaving that con without Amazing Spider-Man 100. (laughs) So I was going to all the comic booths, which was surprisingly less than normally at San Diego Comic-Con. I think that's because instead of this being the full con, it was a special edition, which no one knows quite what that means, but um, still fun. Uh, And I found it. For a really good price and now that is in my collection Yay. so the only hundred issue i need is 500 so oh, but that's i excellent. do have um like 
70% of the Amazing Spider-Man run from um, my earliest issue is um, 30. And then sporadically in the lower before 100s. And then after that, I have 300 to, what are they on, like 8, 30 or something like that? 300, Eddie, is a nice one to have. That's one of the nice 100 issues to have for sure. Worth a bit more than 400, I assure you. (laughs) <laughs> you would know, James B. Both of you aficionados so much <laughs> on Spider-Man. Before we wrap up the show, I'd like to thank our guest, Sarah. You can follow her daily Spider-Man panels at spider underscore panel on Twitter. You can also follow our Twitter feed, Let's Read Spider-Man, at Let's Read Spidey. And of course, you can just email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com if you would like to come on and be a guest like Sarah was. Well, thanks for letting us know uh, about Comic-Con there. Um, Sarah, did you actually like this issue? Yeah, I think that... And so, okay, the way I feel about the annuals is, like, they are a little goofy. Uh, sometimes more than a little goofy. Um, yeah, uh, but I, I, do, I do enjoy it. It's like... Um, what's the word? like corniness you know is borderline oh, that's, that's so bad word. that yeah that's 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 a good that's a good that's a perfect word it's so bad it's good plus i love all the smack talk mm. so i'm about that oh this one was so good with smack talk but the last three annuals were like oh i i thought this was too long really yeah i got to the part i'm like seriously now we have to fight a giant gorilla which by the way did we even talk about this like you know except for the summary but all, I, yeah. Do we really? Did, if I was summarizing this like with you, you know, you would have said like five pages of fighting a gorilla, <laughs> like yeah. unnecessary. And also, the uh, fact is, if you can make a gorilla this powerful, you know, like, why, like why don't you make of, two of them? Yeah, they're <laughs> like it's a mechanical gorilla, but that doesn't make it any less dangerous. I'm like, what? Like, wh- why are you making these gorillas just to fight Spider-Man the Human Torch? If you can. These guys waste all their powers on just revenge. Like, they could do so much damage with all the great <laughs> stuff they have, right? That's, that's their problem. That's like Doc Ock's they could make too. They can make so much money with all the things they're creating if they really wanted to. Yeah. And, and there's, right, they could be like, hey, I made the, right, they, they could literally have a movie company. They, they could go to the U.S. military and be like, look, I can make a giant gorilla. <laughs> That's where, like, this is the 60s. That's what I always think. I'm like, you could get, like, a huge contract at Lockheed Martin making robotic gorillas all day long. (laughs) Didn't, I can't remember if it was Mysterio or the Wizard, but one of them was talking about how they had enough money to start some sort of company. I'm like, okay, wait, where are we going? You can save that and use it for something. Yes, the Wizard has his unlimited funds to do all this stuff, just like Mysterio (laughs) does with the robots and Doctor Doom. Everybody's rich. It's time for the close, and what's great about the close is we just don't ever have show notes for the close. We've kind of kept this tradition of, we'll be fine, but we never are. So what we're going to do now is we're going to try to close by just saying something that sounds like a good ending. Eddie likes to talk about in the theme of the comic. I sometimes like to use quotes from the comic. So, Sarah, take it away. And remember, listeners, we don't know about Pete, but after talking about all 41 pages, we're kind of bushed ourselves. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye.
That was a good one. Oh, man. That was the end of the comic. <laughs> yes. We're going to use a Sarah one anyway. Let's be honest here. You're going to be yeah. the close, no matter what you say. So. All right. Well, we could. You, yeah, let's do one. Your turn, James B. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, <laughs> and remember, listeners, sometimes there's not a romance in the issue, but there's always a bromance in the issue. Just ask the <laughs> wizard in Mysterio. <laughs> oh, that is a really good one, James B. You have to use that one. What else we got? Right. And remember, listeners, if Spider-Man can't prove who he is, he might swing around with you. He's with the security guard. <laughs> I like that part when he's like, you want me to swing you around from the rooftops? It is actually, I did like that part, too. <laughs> I'll let Sarah get one more in. All right. Remember, listeners, always be aware of fire safety. Don't forget your asbestos webbing. Oh. <laughs> Let's all let's throw up so a, let, much asbestos in this all, podcast. <laughs> Did we miss anything, Eddie? Well, uh, I we didn't do my email segment, but Carlos wrote us and he said we're in position 190 uh, under the category of books in the United Kingdom. <laughs> you know, I think the thing is, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and we just this has to be great. <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. Well, yeah, I think we covered everything. This was good. I really liked the bromance. The way the wizard and Mysterio talked to each other, we were like, I must confess, your plan was excellent. And like, I must admit, your devices were even better. <laughs> if you go to the page of the book, they're talking to each other like that while the wizard's like taking his pants off, yes. too. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, this is getting scandalous. <laughs> oh. That was so funny for me. Uh, 